Thanks for joining us for this newest podcast. We are honored to have Justin Belcher from Yale University with us today. He is going to represent his colleagues as we talk about this study that is uh, in the one of the uh, recent issues of hepatology. This is the Association of Acute Kidney Injury with Mortality and Complications in Hospitalized Patients with Cirrhosis. Justin, welcome today. Thank you very much, Dr. Harrison. Good to be with you. Your study is an interesting one, and it's one that I think is apropos. It's one that, that we see patients of frequently in the hospital. If you care for liver patients with cirrhosis, we see this often. What caused you to want to look at this and put this type of study together? Well, as you said, uh, I come from this from the nephrologist perspective, but certainly uh, people trained in hepatology are also quite familiar with the, the burden of acute kidney injury in patients hospitalized with cirrhosis and the, the poor outcomes they have. And recently, the study kind of acute kidney injury in the nephrology community has been really helped by the development of formalized standardized criteria for, for AKI, uh, and particularly something known as the AKIN criteria which has really led to the development of, of ACAB being diagnosed earlier on uh, in the course of injury. And we were interested in looking at how patients with cirrhosis would fare utilizing the AKIN criteria, given that uh, acute kidney injury has typically in the past been diagnosed in patients with cirrhosis using uh, specific thresholds, often with a creatinine of 1.5, which in patients with cirrhosis frequently connotes uh, actually seriously advanced AKI. So what we wanted to look at was uh, how patients fared when diagnosed using AKIN criteria, and then in particular, how they fared as they worsened using this criteria. AKIN criteria diagnoses AKI either with a rise in creatinine of 0.3 milligrams or an increase of 50% from baseline. So it's really fairly mild disease that initially gets picked up. So we wanted to see how patients did based on their initial diagnosis and how they did as they progressed to a higher stage of, of the AKIN criteria and whether that progression itself was associated with the worsening mortality, with the thought being that if you could diagnose them early on and progression did in fact associate with mortality, then having that earlier diagnosis might provide you with an opportunity to intervene earlier on and improve patient outcomes. Yeah, I find that fascinating. And for those of you that are, are listening, if you have your the study handy, Table 1 is actually the classification and staging system for the acute kidney injury according to the AKIN system. And, you know, it really does kind of change the way that we've all been taught to look at kidney injury in the setting of cirrhosis. And I think this really kind of provides a lot more granularity as to, you know, really what's going on with the kidney in the setting of this disease. And then prospectively, it looks like you guys wanted to then test this new definition against the setting of cirrhosis as far as disease progression on in-hospital death and that sort of thing. So this was a prospective multi-center observational cohort study. You had four centers in the U.S. involved. Correct. And patients were eligible if they presented for admission with acute kidney injury or developed it during the course of hospitalization with some caveats. There were some exclusion criteria. They, they couldn't uh, have had prior kidney or liver transplant. They couldn't have advanced chronic kidney disease as defined by a baseline creatinine of greater than four milligrams per deciliter. They couldn't uh, have acute or chronic kidney replacement therapy at the time of enrollment or a life expectancy of less than three days. When looking at your methods section, specifically, I guess, focused on kind of powering the study to answer some of your, your primary endpoints, 
and we look at the total number of patients enrolled, we'll look at that in a minute. How did you come up with that number, and, and what were you thinking you needed to try to answer answer your questions? So yeah, we were we were looking at basically our predictor variable was going to be progression of AKI to a higher stage. So as you said, Table One presents the three stages for AKIN, which is the acute kidney injury network criteria for AKI, with a progression in severity from stage one, where you need a rise in 0.3 milligrams or 50 percent all the way up to stage three where you need to either triple your creatinine or need renal replacement therapy. So we looked at the progression to a higher stage as a predictor variable, and uh, our outcome was going to be mortality, and we we're going to be adjusting for various hospital and cirrhosis-specific complications, which we can get to. Uh, and given that, we were looking for an 80% power to detect an association with worsening mortality for an odds ratio of 2.0 using about 180 patients. And we ended up enrolling slightly over 200 patients, and then after exclusions, we ended up with 192 patients in our study. So you certainly look like you got the number you needed to statistically answer your questions. So tell me a little bit about the results. Were there, I'm looking at table two, baseline and clinical characteristics of all patients and those for non-survivors and survivors. Mm -hmm. Before we get to kind of the top line results, based on your patient population, were there I guess some surprising data on the characteristics of these patients, or did it kind of fall into place as you thought it would? I think that the demographics of the patients fell into place as we thought it would. I think the certainly the male predominance and the age is consistent with the general understanding of the cirrhotic population. The racial distribution was, again, fairly consistent with that, as were the etiologies of cirrhosis were, were consistent with uh, cirrhosis in the United States. I think one of the most interesting unexpected findings we saw when we looked at one of our Inclusion criteria where patients had to have a documented baseline creatinine, and that a lot of studies that have studied acute kidney injury in patients with cirrhosis have used their admission creatinine as their baseline value. And we thought that given the kind of outpatient risk for AKI in these patients with their fluid shifts, with lactulose and diuretics, and their frequent infections, that it would be more appropriate to establish an outpatient baseline with the consideration that they may actually be presenting in the hospital with cirrhosis. And once we did that, actually, we saw that 60% of our patients presented with AKI and only 40% developed it within the hospital. And if we had considered their admission creatinine as their baseline, we would have missed a significant percentage of these, these AKIs. So in terms of what was surprising kind of from the, the baseline characteristics, I think that was it in terms of the location of the development of acute kidney injury. Looking at the rest of the table, too, I was interesting in that really until we get down to the bottom of the table where kind of the meat of it is, really nothing was significant in terms of predicting survival. So the reason for their admission, the etiology of their cirrhosis, their previous history of cirrhosis-specific complications, uh, none of it was really significant in terms of differentiating between survivors and non-survivors, which kind of points to, again, the, the utility of finding a different metric, which may have some prognostic benefit. Yeah, um, I found it also interesting that the sodium level didn't tend to port. You know, it did not. The, the caveat being that sodium level was on the day of enrollment for us. So some of these patients have been in the hospital for a day or two prior to enrollment, so it's possible that an earlier sodium may have, but we looked at sodiums over the several days that we were following them, and there's really no association. Given the, the history of sodium as a predictor of mortality, that was surprising, but uh, there was no signal in our data. Well, tell me a little bit about the top-line results. What did you find? So top-line results was that we did find a significant association between progression and mortality. Looking specifically to that, is in Table 5, we initially looked at a, a unadjusted association with an odds ratio of, of over 8 uh, between progression and mortality, and then subsequently adjusted for presence of chronic kidney disease, 
patient-level demographics, hospital events, including pneumonia, GI bleeds, bacteremia, and then cirrhosis-specific variables, including MELD, therapy for renal syndrome, which is either mitogen or octreotide, SPP, encephalopathy, et cetera. Uh, and after a full adjustment, we still were left with an odds ratio of uh, 3.8 for the association between AKI progression and mortality, which we thought was fairly striking, especially after adjustment for MELD, given the power of MELD as a predictor variable for mortality. This seemed to really be signaling out something kidney-specific in terms of worsening of kidney disease as having an independent, uh, independent impact on patient outcomes. Our other, what we thought was significant finding, uh, was in figure two, if people were able to look at the, the paper, we had looking initially at progression of acute kidney injury, we wanted to unpackage that a little bit, both in terms of where the patient started from, what their initial presenting stage was, and then how severely they progress, because it's a different matter to go from a creatinine of 1 to 1.5, that would be considered progression, as would be going from 1 to 4, uh, but those obviously aren't, aren't equal in terms of their severity. So we looked at, broke it down by initial stage of AKI and then severity of progression, and saw that really the the degree of progression was almost just as significant as the ultimate severity of the progression in that if someone presented in stage one and progressed all the way up to stage three, they had a 50% mortality. If they presented in stage three initially and didn't progress, they only had a 21% mortality. So looking at progression and the degree of progression added significant granularity to the prognostic uh, benefit of just looking at how severe the disease was to begin with. There's been several studies which have shown AKI to associate mortality in a stepwise manner, but those have simply looked at what their ultimate peak stage was and not factored in the additional information included, whether they presented at that stage initially or progressed up to it. Yeah, that's figure two is, is really an important figure. I mean, it really kind of sets the stage for you. You know, if you're, if you're evaluating a patient in the hospital, you can establish at baseline what their AKIN stage is, and then you can track that. I mean, are they progressing? Are they not progressing? What their mortality is? That's an incredibly powerful figure that can provide a decent amount of granularity to the clinician who's evaluating the patient in-house. And it does, and I think it really speaks to, we may get to the future uses of this paper, but it speaks to kind of the importance of of potentially intervening on these patients, and that given the the historic definitions of cirrhosis, of AKI and cirrhosis, and specifically hepatorenal and cirrhosis, where the threshold remains for type 1 of 2.5 of creatinine. In patients with cirrhosis, that's a really pretty advanced AKI to get up that high. So if you were to, to delay treatment, waiting for them to reach a given threshold, rather than looking at the, their progression relative to their own specific baseline as you kind of march across this figure, you see the mortality worsening. So if you know that uh, what their baseline is, you know what stage they're presenting in, as soon as they start to progress, it might be worthwhile to intervene rather than, than waiting for a specific one-size-fits-all cutoff. Yeah, no, I mean, you, you jump to that in the discussion and you talk, you talk a little bit about basically a proposed prospective clinical trial looking at turtlepressin, for instance, and, yes. and uh, looking at the impact of initiating therapy at a lower threshold. Uh, and I think that's intriguing. Certainly that's, uh, that provides uh, provocative uh, information for somebody to take and move forward. Don't have that drug in the U.S., FDA approved, so can't jump. No, unfortunately. But I'd love to hear some comments from you in that regard. Sure. So kind of given given that we don't have, have turtleplessin in the U.S., uh, we couldn't say for sure what the impact would be. So this is kind of focusing more on the, the paterenal subset of patients, but could be applied to patients with AKI in general. We couldn't say definitively what the impact of intervening earlier would be, but just to kind of get at the 
the opportunity or what percentage of patients would um, have their management changed by, by doing that, we looked at the subset of patients in our study uh, who had presented initially with a creatinine of less than 2.5, which is the current threshold for the diagnosis of type 1 hepatorenal, and then ultimately progressed to higher to 2.5. And we looked to see of those who presented below 2.5 and ultimately progressed above it, what percentage of them reached a higher stage prior to reaching 2.5. And these are the people where if you change your management strategy to say, we're going to intervene at the time of progression rather than the, the, the threshold of 2.5, these people would have been intervened on earlier. And so we had 56 patients who presented less than 2.5 and ultimately ended over 2.5, and 31 of them, 55%, did in fact reach a higher stage prior to reaching 2.5. So going forward, a potential interventional trial could be randomizing patients to intervention either at first achieving ACAN progression or under the traditional criteria of reaching a threshold of 2.5. And seeing this, that 55% of them did intervene early shows that such a study would, I think you would have significant spread between your groups that you have enough patients eligible for each strategy. Unfortunately, we don't have turtle precedent in the U.S., but this is a type of study that could be considered worldwide, or given, I think, the emerging data really showing therapeutic equivalence or significant enough equivalence between norepinephrine and turtlepressin, this might be something which could be tried in the U.S. using that instead. Right. Well, this is this is definitely a, a very intriguing study, and I, I think you know one of the things that it's critically important to underscore is the finding that 60% of your patients presented with acute kidney injury, and that to me is kind of a, a finding that reinforces the need to to really treat these cirrhotics with kid gloves, particularly when when they're being admitted, to notice that their creatinines are you know, really probably, if you just look at GFR, that's not going to be a helpful criteria for you. So, Absolutely. Given the, the decrease creatinine synthesis in patients, cirrhotic, the low muscle mass, the low protein intake, the altered volume of distribution, a creatinine of 1 or 1.2 in someone with significant cirrhosis is, is certainly not a, a normal creatinine. Their, their true baseline is, is probably more on 0.5 or 0.6. So if someone comes in at 1.2 and then drifts up to 1.5, 1.6, this is someone who came in with acute kidney injury that is now worsening, uh, and it's tempting when you're too used to seeing patients without cirrhosis to kind of wait a few days to really assess the significance of that. But as you say, in these patients, that needs to be taken seriously, and, and steps need to be changed or taken to, to alter your management. Absolutely. Well, listen, thanks so much for taking part in this podcast with me today. I think the listeners will find it quite helpful as they manage their patients with cirrhosis and acute kidney injury, and we're looking forward to to uh, getting uh, to seeing more studies from your group and seeing if we can continue to to improve our treatment of these patients. So thanks for thank, joining me today. Thank you very much. Appreciate the opportunity. Yes, this is certainly something that's worthy of more study, and we hope to to continue to help advance the field. Sounds great, Justin. Have a great day. Thank you. You too.